presents the Batman Universe Podcast, your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we have with us... This is Nick. This is Savannah. And we are bringing you the latest movie, TV, video game, merchandise, and general news from the past two weeks, as well as a discussion about the DC Animated Universe films, and our spotlight character will be Amanda Waller. So, Apple is not with us due to football season starting up, but Savannah's back, so... Nice to have Savannah back. Alright, so let's get started with the very first bit of movie news we have, which is Clancy Brown uh, did an interview with Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers sent us the interview over, talking about him voicing Lex Luthor again in Superman Batman Public Enemies. So we're going to go over a couple of the questions from the interview, and Nick will read as the interviewer, and I will read for Clancy Brown. So let's get some of these questions answered. What exactly is it that makes you the definitive voice of the character for the fans? What I do with Lex, to me, is no different than how I always viewed Lex. I thought the early Super Friends animation of Lex was kind of lacking in many aspects. It's fun to watch, it's campy and all, but Lex wasn't quite what I thought Lex should be. So when when this started, you had this accident of everybody kind of being on the same page about what the story and was and who the characters were. I just went in and did what I thought Lex always should have sound like. I totally enjoyed Gene Hackman's portrayal of Lex Luthor, but it wasn't a Lex that I could that I was afraid of. I enjoyed Kevin Spacey in the newest film, but again, that wasn't the, the Lex that I thought made a good opposite to Superman. Lex is the bad guy. He is the archetype. But he is also what is seductive about this about that side, which is the wealth and power. He's Darth Vader. Oh man, there's one I should have played. Darth Vader. Darn, missed opportunity. Okay, so what do I bring to Lex? I don't know. I'm just lucky enough to have a low voice and a high flatone idea to play Lex where I think he should be. After that, it's all about the quality of the scripts. Like Bruce Wayne, Lex is wealthy beyond means, has unparalleled intelligence and no superpowers. Does that make Lex the anti-Batman? What does Kevin Conroy always say about the duality of Batman? There's a real dark side of the Dark Knight. Maybe Lex is a daybat. It would be more interesting to have Lex in Batman's world, wouldn't it? I hadn't actually put that together because I don't care about the Bat world. It's all Metropolis for me. Uh, boy, when you think about it, superpowers are kind of a cop-out. They're not real. What's real is what Batman does, although he dresses funny, so what's really real is what Lex does, though he doesn't go to the gym as much, you know? That's probably why both of them are attractive, because you can conceivably become Batman or Lex Luthor, but you can't really be from Krypton. The fans call you the Quint 
essential voice of Lex Luthor. Do you feel some sense of ownership for the role? I respect it, but I think it goes like this. When I was growing up, the greatest basketball player was Julius Serving or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. For my daughter, it was Michael Jordan. Now for my son, it's going to be Kobe Bryant or LeBron, LeBron James. Whatever comes next for this generation, that's going to be the greatest voice. I think it's the greatest iteration of this cartoon. I'm immensely grateful and feel very fortunate that I'm part of it. I think it's going to be tough to top this version of Superman, even by any other medium. I don't think you'll get a live-action version that could be as good as this world. So those are some of the questions. Of course, there's many more questions about him talking about Bruce Tim, Kevin Conroy, Tim Daly. You can check all those out on the website. I've always liked Clancy Brown. I think he does a really, really good Lex Luthor. And it's quite interesting there to see him talk about the other Lex Luthers and what he thinks of those. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of the interview. Come on, let me hear you say it just once. You're insane. No! <laughs> no, what the other thing? Superman will run! So, there are also, let's see, on uh, September 4th, there were some new images posted up on, or sent to us by Warner Brothers that we posted up on the website, and those consist of a bunch of pictures, um... Of various different people, including Captain Adam, Mr. Freeze, Captain Cold, Icicle, Lady Shiva, Major Force, Solomon Grundy, Mogul. Uh, Mogul. There's a lot of characters, so you're definitely going to have to check out all of those pictures on the website. They're pretty cool. And then that's going to bring us straight into September 8th. Just when we thought the Dark Knight could possibly not win any more awards, it has. Um, home Theater magazine or home home media magazine awarded the 2009 dvd critic awards the dark knight picked up the best theatrical title from the critics and by consumers it won best action title best superhero title and consumer favorite for 2009 um so definitely i guess the awards just keep piling in yeah as, as we said before they must be running that space to keep all these things exactly I just did what I do best. I took your little plan and I turned it on itself. Look what I did to this city with a few drums of gas and a couple of bullets. Hmm? Alright, so then moving on to the next bit of news on Wednesday, September 9th, Warner Brothers created a new entity called DC Entertainment. Now, there's a giant press release that goes over what kind of what it entails, but basically, DC Comics is going to be um, a part of this new DC Entertainment. DC Entertainment is specifically going to report to Warner Brothers Entertainment, and they're going to create... Basically, the gist of it is, this is going to be Warner Brothers' way of getting more DC properties into all forms of media, including movies, TV, video games, stuff like that. So, good news. Does How does it affect... Uh, Batman fans, well, without going into too much detail, I'm just going to say I don't believe it affects us bad fans that much. If you want to read more about why that is, check out the blog entry that I wrote on the site, and I'll tell you why I don't believe it's actually going to affect us bad fans very much. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd, I agree with what you said on the blog, actually, and I think it's um, it's more of a... It's, it's to help the other characters, I think, in the DC universe because um, 
Batman's fairly successful at the moment. This is really to catch up with where Marvel are at the moment and ensure that the DC properties get out there and get into the public and into the cinema. And it's nice to see that, you know, finally these DC properties, which have got a lot of potential, are finally getting some focus and it looks like they're going to get they're going to push these productions through as quick as possible and get them out there as good as possible, of course, as well. Right. That seems to be the purpose is to get, just get things out there, which is something that um, DC Warner Brothers hasn't been as good at as Marvel. They kind of take forever currently to make anything, to decide to make anything, to get started on any project. So hopefully this speeds up that process a little bit and gives us more volume of DC goodness. Right. And I think in a future show, probably more towards the end of the year, we'll talk a little bit more about the overall DC Universe and what we'd like to see come out of the DC Universe um, as far as films and TV shows and video games. I think we'll talk about that towards the end of the year, but um, there's a lot of things that have been put in motion. Just Obviously this has nothing to do with Batman, but there's a lot of things that have either been started or just announced. They're talking about making a Dead Man movie, a Lobo movie. So there's a bunch of things that, one, they've been talking about for a while, and they've either more recently, there's more news coming out of it. But for all that news, uh, we'll just have to just hold tight and wait for Warner Brothers to officially announce more information about it. Yeah, it's an exciting prospect, and I hope they just um, they live up to the the uh, excitement that they're creating at the moment and just as we were saying just get some stuff out there and hopefully the lesser known characters become more successful exactly So moving on to September 10th, we had MTV post up a video where they talked to Aaron Eckhart, our wonderful favorite reporter from MTV, um, asked him about Batman 3, and we're going to play the clip real quick. Shifting gears a little bit, explain for the people who are kind of outside Hollywood and don't really know, how, how would the process work when you make a big, huge movie like The Dark Knight? And your character looks like didn't really do too well at the end of the movie but they're going to make another one eventually. Do you kind of sit by the phone and kind of hope that maybe Chris will call you up? Do you send him some flowers, or do you know for a fact it ain't going to well, happen? if I were a smarter person, I would do those things. I'd send him flowers. I'd buy him a car. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm not that smart. I just sort of gone on with my life. I don't have any expectations of being in the next Dark Knight. If there is a Dark Knight, um, I have no knowledge of one. If Chris called me, uh, I would certainly do it, but... Um, as far as I'm concerned, my character's dead. Okay, so if Chris called you up and said, well, you know, Harvey landed a little awkwardly, and his head kind of survived, and they were able to bring him back. I would do anything for Chris. If Chris wanted me to, um, you know, I don't know, bring his tea or something like that, I would I would do it. Um, you know, I had such a good time making that movie, and, and he's such a great filmmaker. Um, but, you know, The Dark Knight, I honestly have no idea how this is going to work out, but... You know, I think it, it was always Heath's movie, you know, and Heath was, it was definitely the motor and the vehicle that was to continue on with the movie, and um, I'm, I'm not sure that's not better just to start all over and find different characters, you know, for the movie. 
That being said, I have no idea what's going on. Alright, so Aaron Eckhart, he's dead. His character's dead. Um, the chances of him being in Batman 3, very slim, unless, of course, there's a flashback scene, which we've talked about numerous times before. Yeah, people seem to think there's more going I think a lot of people think there's more going on there than there actually is, and that uh, Chris Nolan, David Goyer, and that have got an actual plan for Two Face, which is going to continue, but I do think it seems like that is over, and as you're saying, very, very slim chance of it coming back. But what was interesting was what you said about Heath Ledger, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird that we got an interview and the, they actually said something interesting slash useful in an MTV interview. It was surprising. I mean, that Heath Ledger <laughs> was going to be in the third one, that's really kind of interesting. That, well, first of all, that the plan was to make a third one and to make a third one with the Joker. So, I... It's just interesting. Yeah, if Heath Ledger was going to be in the third one, I think they should have done something sort of Hannibal Lecter style. He's in his Arkham Asylum cell, and Batman has to go and see him for something. That would be awesome. It would have. bit of movie news we have is on September 10th, Warner Brothers sent over a clip from Superman Batman Public Enemies, and basically, it's not a very long clip, it's about two minutes, we're not going to play it for you, we'd rather you guys go over to the site and check it out, but basically it's going to show Metallo fighting against Superman, and if, after, after you see this clip, if you've read the actual story arc that Public Enemies is in Superman Batman, you'll kind of see how things have a little bit, have changed a little bit since, um, or changed from the comics in a way, so it'll be interesting to see how this movie comes out. It looked really good, I thought it was a great clip, and the animation and everything looked excellent, so I I am very much looking forward to it, and I don't know the uh, comic story, so I'm quite excited about finding out all about this story. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, the small changes are, I mean, you have to change something to get it into a movie. But the my biggest thing is, I mean, the way that it looks is still so similar to the way the comic looks. They really, it looks like they captured the feel of it. So I'm really happy with that. I heard you were crazy. I didn't think you were stupid. Bruce Wayne, you peaked. I won't have vigilantism in my town. You'll be rid of me as soon as I find the Joker. That may not be soon enough. All right, so moving along, we have no TV news. We're still waiting on word of when Batman Brave and the Bold is going to come back on TV. But we do have some merchandise news. So on September 2nd, Warner Brothers sent us over an announcement saying that they are going to be creating some more DC superheroes apparel. They have teamed with Trunk Limited to create all kinds of various different items 
Um, you can read the official press release on the website, but specifically they're going to be doing some t-shirts, raglans, which I don't even know what the heck raglans are, uh, track jackets, hoodies, stuff like that, for various prices, and it's going to be actually available currently at Bloomingdale's starting this month, so you guys can definitely check that out. Alright, so the next bit of news, September 4th, um, Hot Wheels sent over an announcement stating that the Batmobile Batpod set that was initially released at San Diego Comic-Con as an exclusive will be available for collectors on HotWheels.com website. Um, specifically, as you're listening to this, if you become a member of the Hot Wheels website, um, you can actually get the item right now. Um, it's the Batpod or the Batmobile tumbler with the Batpod that actually comes out of it. So it's pretty cool. I've ordered mine. Hopefully I'll be seeing it in the next couple days. But remember, you have to be a member. It doesn't cost anything to be a member of their website. You just have to sign up and give them your email address, and then you can order this stuff. So that's pretty cool news. Did you um, see this one at Comic-Con? Yes, we saw it, and we... Wanted to get it while we were there, so we weren't going to have to pay shipping and handling. And needless to say, the lines at Mattel were way too long. <laughs> We'd have to have somebody literally stand in line all day and do nothing but stand in line just to get any of the exclusive stuff that they had. Oh, that's a shame. But you fell in love with it. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely something that's, I think, worth getting. I mean, I'm I don't know the the size of what it is. It looks like it fits in the same size as the other Hot, Hot Wheels Batmobiles, which is kind of cool. Um, we were wondering for a while when it was actually going to be available because most of the Mattel um, exclusives from San Diego have been available since the beginning of August, and they didn't say anything at all about the Hot Wheels Batmobiles. So it was kind of interesting where suddenly we got the email and it was hey, it's going to be available on September 9th. And it was, oh, oh, okay, that's cool. All right, so moving on, September 8th, Toy Fair, Toy News International posted up some new images for the Batman Brave and the Bold Action League 2-packs. And there's going to be a bunch of different characters. Specifically, they're going to be packaged, obviously Batman and somebody else, but sometimes there's going to be a hero and a villain in these 2-packs. These are more of a, kind of like the Marvel Super Friends um, sets from Hasbro, where they're kind of like kid-like, but uh, the cool thing that I found about these two packs was that they're actually going to be packaged with a diorama of some setting from the show, which is kind of cool. Is it just me, or do they look? Or this this picture of Batman looks really weird. What's up yeah. with his What's up with his feet? Good question. <laughs> Alright, so moving along, September 9th, the new issue of Toy Fair arrived, and there was Batman Plaster right on the cover. Um, despite showing a bunch of things that we've already seen, including Superman Batman Public Enemies figures that are going to be available at Target later this month, and a bunch of other things that we've already seen, we did in fact get some new news about a new toy line, or a new action figure line that will be from DC Direct. It's set to hit stores July of 2010. Now, this is a. There's four figures in this set as of right now. It may be expand, but I'm assuming it's just going to be these four. But it's basically a bunch of figures that you would probably never expect to see, specifically because they're not super popular. The figures include the Jason Todd Batman from Battle for the Cowl, 
the Two-Face Batman, which we have most recently seen in the comics, the new Azrael, and the new Batgirl, Stephanie Brown, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, looking at them now, I think, um, to me, the Jason Todd one doesn't look fantastic, I have to admit, but the Two-Face one looks brilliant. I like the new Batgirl one, and that Azrael one looks awesome. It looks like a half-medieval knight sort of thing. It looks great. Right, so that's definitely pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I'm looking. I I don't normally buy things from DC Direct just because they're they tend to be a little too expensive, and I try to keep my merchandise collection to a minimum. But I think I might be actually picking up this set. Um, I still have well over well a little less than a year to save up, which I'm sure it'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of like seventy dollars or something. But it seems like it would be worth it. Well, for a new Batgirl figure and. The other ones look really good, too. I mean, it's pretty awesome. It's exciting. Is it just me, or do you think that Jason Todd Batman looks a bit odd? I don't think he looks just like he was in the comics. Yeah, I think it's... I think they put a little bit more grey into his uh, suit than was in the the, uh, actual thing. And it seems like the, the things that are supposed to be blue aren't really blue enough. I'm looking at a picture from the comics right now and it seems like it's a little bit off as far as coloring but these these are probably just initial character models and not the final version Mm, yeah okay but yeah they do look very cool it's nice to see some different uh different figures isn't it yes yeah you may as well come out now i know everything now and would do anything to destroy him. Why not? He was going to destroy me. Just like I'm going to destroy you. Well, that's the end of merchandise news. Actually, let's move into video game news. We've only got one thing to report on September 1st, um, just when you thought all of the stuff for Batman Arkham Asylum, all the hype and everything was over, they sent us over a new trailer and a bunch of new screenshots specifically detailing the NVIDIA um, usage that's going to be used for the PC version. Now, somehow we didn't know this until after we recorded the last podcast as well as the podcast before that, but for whatever reason, the PC version of the game was delayed until September 15th, so while you're listening to this, if you want it for PC, it'll now be available, but... Um, I think that's why they sent this stuff over. I mean, the images look absolutely amazing. Um, A lot better than you would ever see on a PS3 or an Xbox 360, but I think that's just because you have to have a really good graphics card because I downloaded the trailer for my PC, or the demo for my PC, and my computer could not handle it even though it's brand new. So, Well, it's a graphics-heavy game on the console, so I would imagine that it would be on the computer, too. House party at Arkham Asylum! I'm the Joker, the man, your host. Shake my hand, my fine cousin, you'll feel the joy buzz, and it'll fry you up like French toast. House party at Arkham Asylum! Holly Quinn is your hostess today! Take the coat and the hat and give them a strange 
Alright, so that's the end of video game news. There is no general news. Let's just get right into our spotlight character with Amanda Waller. Now, some of you may not know who Amanda Waller is. Some of you who have paid attention to the Justice League Unlimited cartoon in the early, like, four or five years ago may know who she is, but you may not know why she's involved with Batman. Um, specifically, we were talking about her because she's going to play a role in the upcoming Batman, Superman Batman Public Enemies. So we're going to tell you all about Amanda Blake Waller. Amanda Blake grew up in the Cabrini Green section of Chicago, and unlike so many, managed to marry and raise a family. The squalid conditions finally caught up with her, and when her first daughter, then her husband, were gunned down. She put herself through school, earning a doctorate in political science, and found work in Washington, D.C. as a congressional aide. While doing routine research, Waller uncovered documentation about Task Force X, a government operation spinning out of the Office of Strategic Services at the end of World War II. Fascinated, she read the entire dossier and then proposed that the operation be revived to handle the dirty work in an even dirtier world. To her surprise, not only was Task Force X revived, but she found herself placed in charge. This was in Legends Number 1, November 1986. There would be two divisions, one called the Agency, which later evolved into Checkmate, and another known as the Suicide Squad. The squad, operating out of Belle Reve Prison in Louisiana, used heroes, villains, and other operatives to handle clandestine missions around the world. The villains who served would be granted amnesty, should they survive. To ensure cooperation, all wore explosive wrist bracelets that were controlled by mission leader Rick Flagg Jr. What a name. Among the squad's operatives were many opponents of the Cape Crusader, notably Blockbuster, Deadshot, Penguin, Bronze Tiger, Poison Ivy, and Copperhead. Early on... Batman infiltrated Belrive and threatened Waller with exposure. She countered that should they study him, his deepest secrets might be revealed. The standoff ended in a stalemate. Later, the Dark Knight actually worked with the squad on missions, coming to understand its role in the world, and later inspiring him to remake the Outsiders as his personal strike force. Waller became the Southeastern Regional Director for the Department of Extra Normal Operations. Under President Lex Luthor, she was named Secretary of Metahuman Affairs. She took the fall for Luthor's criminal activities, serving a brief stint in jail until his successor, Jonathan Vincent Horn, ordered her to resume command of Checkmate. When the United Nations rechartered the operation, she became the team's White Queen, restricted to policymaking. Behind everyone's back, Waller reconstituted the squad and continued to authorize field work for her own purposes, serving the greater good, at least in her eyes. And that was from Checkmate, the second series from number one, from June 2006. So look forward to seeing Amanda Waller in the movie, and you'll know kind of why she was in the... You'll understand a little bit more of why she's in that book. Was she also in the um, final Batman Beyond episode? Yes, she was. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And she explains to Terry McGinnis why exactly he is who he is. Who are you people? That's a national security matter. And if I were you, I wouldn't probe the situation too closely. Rich boy. Alright, so let's get into our feature for this episode, which is going to be the DC Animated Universe Films. 
Now, we're not going to talk about just the Batman ones, because there's only one, as of right now. Uh, so we're going to go through all of them. Let's start off with Superman Doomsday. Um, we're going to go over our feelings of the movie, what we liked, what we disliked, and we're going to go through all of the DC animated films that have come out to date, leading up to what we've got coming up in a couple weeks, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. So Superman Doomsday. Uh, I have to say, I like the story. I wish that they followed the comics just a slight bit more and let it up so that there could have been a possible sequel of some sort, um, specifically because... They, I think Superman returned from the dead a little bit too quick. It would have been a lot more interesting to see some of the characters emerge from the comics that did during the actual story in the comics compared to what they did in the movie where he just is dead and then he returns from the dead. Yeah, I think um, I'd agree with that just because he's dead and then like 20 minutes later he's back again. But the thing, what I thought was quite brave was for their first animated movie to, to choose, it was quite brave to do, rather than some origin story of Superman or Batman or something, which is the sort of thing I would have expected, they decided to go for sort of a big, they, they realised the people that watch these films know Superman and Batman's origins, they don't need to worry about those sort of things. So why not do a big event in Superman's history? And I think that was a good move, and... I enjoy the film. I think it's a good film, and it's certainly a good start for all the films they did. Yeah, I agree. It, um, I've never actually read the Doomsday storyline, so I thought it was odd that he came back so quickly, and I guess it was because it, that hadn't happened in the comics. Um, but it was a good start. They did the characterizations really well. That's one thing. They're really good at picking voice actors. In, I mean, these Warner premiere movies, are, they pick incredible voices, and that was something that was evident in the very first movie. So I liked it. All right, so then moving into the next one, we actually had an appearance from Batman in Justice League the New Frontier. Now, this was based off of Darwin Cook's graphic novel, DC The New Frontier, and a bunch of... They didn't use a lot of the normal actors that they use um, they didn't really use any of the ones that were from Justice League Unlimited it was basically like a kind of out of DC animated continuity because it created some origins for some of the characters that kind of contradicted what happened in Justice League Unlimited and Justice League but um, Jeremy Sisto played Batman and honestly I thought he was actually pretty good I mean he had the nice dark voice, which was nice. I don't think he would work for Bruce Wayne at all, but I definitely like Neil Patrick Harris as the Flash. That was just that was classic. Um, but overall, the movie I thought was good. I know a lot of people for some reason didn't like the movie. Um, I read the book and it followed the book like to the T, which was great. I was one of those people who didn't like the movie very much. I've voiced my concern, well, I've voiced my opinions before on this whole Justice League thing, and it's just not my cup of tea. I, I don't think it's a great, well, I don't like it when you get all the cosmic alien sort of stuff involved, and that didn't interest me much. I thought the whole idea of it being set in the past didn't interest me much either. I haven't read the book, so I can't comment on that. But And I also thought that Jeremy Sisto wasn't a very good uh, voice for Batman personally. I thought he was a little bit dull. He didn't really have the magic voice for me. I just don't, didn't think he worked very well. And I was quite disappointed with the film. 
Well, I read the I read the book and I didn't like it all that much. And then I saw the movie and didn't really expect to like it. So maybe it's because I went in with low expectations. But I really liked it. I mean, the voice I like Jeremy Sisto. I think though that Neil Patrick Harris kind of stole the show. It was I liked the and the Martian Manhunter was really good. I thought it was a good movie. Alright, so then moving into the next one, which was Batman Gotham Knight. Now, I will say up front, I despise this movie. Um, Kevin Conroy did a great job, and the stories were good. The thing I cannot stand is I hate anime. Uh, and I, I say that in the most respectful way I can, because I know there's a lot of people out there who like anime. But I did not... Kevin Conroy's voice... I mean, like, if you were going to use Kevin Conroy for Batman, do not do it in a form of animation that doesn't follow what Kevin Conroy is. I didn't think that... I mean, they could have used any other actor and I would have been fine with it as long as they didn't use him. Specifically because I just didn't like the anime, number one, and then number two, to hear his voice linked to a Batman looks that looks completely different than anything else that we've ever heard him voice for. Um... The six parts out of the six, I think there was only three stories I actually thought were pretty decent. I specifically didn't like that they tried to make it out as this was a link between the time between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, because there was very, very little things that actually linked it in between, and they introduced a lot of new characters and then didn't have anything to do with the characters that were introduced in the new movie. Um, so yeah... Uh, if I was to give this movie a rating, I would have to say like two out of five batterings just because it did not meet any of the needs that I thought it was going to deliver. I'd have to say that Gotham Knight, when I first heard about it, I thought, that's a great idea. It's a really good idea to bridge the two films. It's um, But when I actually watched the film, I'd agree with Dustin that I would say three, I would say three of the stories I actually really enjoyed and three of them I thought were really awful and it just about balances out. The anime stuff, I'm perfectly fine with that. I like to see different uh, experimentations with Batman art. I like to see new things, new things happening. And I was, I was, I was quite happy with the art. I quite enjoyed it and the animation, but the storytelling was the main flaw in certain parts as i said certain parts i thought were brilliant others were were not and also the continuity was not good at all between this film and the dark knight as dustin was saying there were some characters introduced we didn't even see in the dark knight the one thing i always comment on is you've got the russian and sal maroney who are apparently having a gang war which is not going on in the dark knight and it's just it's a shame because it, it had a lot of potential when i first heard about the idea but I was a bit disappointed. But as I said, some great stories, some bad ones. Kevin Conroy, I thought he... I think he worked fine. I, I don't see where Dustin's problem is. I think Kevin Conroy is great in whatever Batman role. Um, but yeah, so for me, I'd say average. Yeah, I... Um, I'm not really sure about this movie. I mean, I kind of like the animation style. I feel like they depended on it because they didn't really develop any interesting stories. And the only, I mean, the only one I really liked has had kind of already been done. It was that first one where the kids tell about the different points of view of Batman, and that's already been done. So, 
I I don't know. I felt a little cheated story-wise. And having Kevin Conroy, I didn't mind so much. It was a little jarring, so I see where Dustin gets that. But, I mean, I guess <clears throat> I guess I got used to it. But uh, I just feel like they could have done a lot better on this movie. Oh, the music was my favorite part. It, this was soundtracked really yeah, well. The soundtrack was really good. Yeah. I think in in hindsight, it might have been a better idea to do one feature-length story rather than six short yeah. stories. I think I think that would have worked better. I think so too. All right. So the next one came out earlier this year, and which was Wonder Woman. Um, basically, chose the origin of Wonder Woman, which is pretty decent compared to the actual origin that George Perez created post-Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, so I have to say, I mean, overall the story was pretty good. Um, Carrie Russell, some of you may know from Felicity, she did the voice. Uh, that was fine. I think there could have been a better actress to play the voice, but that's, it was fine. Um, overall, I would say this movie was actually pretty good. It followed suit of what it needed to do. And I like the fact that, in a way, they were kind of introducing the character to a lot of people who don't necessarily know or understand her origin. So, Yeah, I was one of those. I wasn't fully aware of Wonder Woman's origin, but I watched this film. I think I enjoyed the first two-thirds a lot, and then when it got to the final act, I got a bit bored with all the monsters and everything and the demons and things. That put me off a little bit. But the first two-thirds were great. And it was just that final act that let me down a bit. I thought I was also very impressed with the talent they got in Nathan Fillion as um, yeah. Steve Trevor and Alfred Molina as well. Two very good actors um, who they got in for that, and really starts to show that they're they're taking those those roles pretty seriously and getting some big talent in for that. I'm not familiar with Kerry Russell, but I thought she did a fairly decent job. Um, yeah, I'd give it you know four out of five. I'd say it was just that final act that let me down a little bit. Yeah, I think I pretty much agree with Nick. The voice talent was amazing. The ending was, or, you know, the last part was eh, kind of, <clears throat> I feel like they could have gone in a different direction with that story and I would have been happier, but I guess it was all right. They got to, we got to meet more of the Amazons, I suppose, which was kind of interesting. Um, and, yeah, I didn't know, I knew vaguely what, you know, I knew she was an Amazon warrior and whatnot, but it was interesting to see the in-depth um, origin of Wonder Woman and the origin of that whole, their whole world, kind of. So I thought it was, it's one of my favorites from that um, line of movies. I thought it was really good. All right, and then that's going to move into the most recent movie, which was Green Lantern First Flight. Now, again, doing exactly what they did with Wonder Woman, they are introducing Green Lantern and giving us his origin story. Um, for the most part, it followed the comics pretty closely. Um, I like the idea of the immediate confliction between Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, and Sinestro. I thought that was spot on. Um... The voice actors who did that, Christopher Maloney and Victor Garber, excellent. Definitely worth it. Um, 
I enjoyed watching this movie. I think there was a point in time during the movie where it kind of got really slow. It was before Sinestro became the Yellow Lantern. Um, and I, I was thinking, this is kind of getting drawn out. Where are we going with this? But, for the most part, the entire movie was good. And I especially liked seeing all of, all of the different group lanterns that we've seen in the comics make some sort of an appearance in the, in the movie. For me, it was a case of I've always deviated away from Green Lantern a little bit just because I'm not too keen on the whole space and cosmic stuff and fantasy stuff. So I thought this wouldn't appeal to me. But I sat down, I watched it, absolutely loved it. I thought Green Lantern was really interesting. I thought Sinestro was an amazing villain. It really drew me in. It's by far my favourite one of the films they've produced so far. Um... Yeah, I think the music again was really good. The uh, I did I I did think it got drawn out a little bit, as Dustin was saying, but I did enjoy the characterization of um, Sinestro a lot. There wasn't I actually thought we got to see less and less of Hal Jordan as the film progressed, and he 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 wasn't really the main character. I thought it was all about Sinestro, but that wasn't a problem because I was still enjoying it. But I thought Hal Jordan should have stepped forward a little bit more and had a and a larger part. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. Fantastic film, and as I said, the best one they've produced so far, until Superman, Batman, Public Enemies comes out. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, probably is my favorite, I guess, um, because it's just amazing. I mean, Victor Garber as um, Sinestro was incredible. The perfect voice actor the voice that I've always pictured in the Green Lantern comics. And the movie, I mean, yes, Sinestro really stole the show in this movie, but I thought that was kind of appropriate because he's the way that they define, you know, he's the big event. He's the fall from grace of the Green Lantern. And the story was awesome. The the animation, the voice acting, the music was good. Um, the I also liked the the guardians were really good, really well done. Um, how they were, the way that they were written and acted was really appropriate to their attitudes in the comics. So I liked it a lot. There was um, one other thing I've got to mention that. Am I right in thinking that the origin of Hal Jordan is done in Justice League: The New Frontier? Yes, it, that's yeah. his origin's done. Yes, in Justice League, um, he's really the only origin. That, well, besides Martian Manhunter, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you hadn't watched that and then watched this Green Lantern First Flight film, it's a bit rushed. From we see how he really starts, and then all of a sudden, bang, he's out in space and he's with aliens and stuff, and he doesn't seem to be that concerned about it all. And I thought that was a quick jump, but I know I know they were doing that. Yeah, exactly. I know they were doing that because people were thinking, well, we know what the origin is. We don't need that. Let's, let's get into a, some sort of adventure. We don't want to watch the origin again. And I know that's why they did it, but it was very, very quick and a little bit rushed. I think they should have just started without the origin and just have a, a typical Green Lantern adventure or, um, or do the whole origin, one or the other, I think. But as I said, it was only a, a minor negative, and I think the film worked very well, and it's definitely the best one they've done. Is it your favorite, Dustin? 
Um, out of all of the ones that have been released, honestly, I'd have to say that Just Sleep the New Frontier was my favorite, just because of really? the comics so closely. I right. mean, specifically, I mean, Darwin Cook was involved in the process of the, the movie the whole way through. Um, Green Lantern was good, it's just... Just League New Frontier, there was no down parts. It was, there was no parts where I was sitting there thinking, this is kind of getting a little drawn out. Green Lantern, there was a part. Wonder Woman, there was a part. Both are great movies. Honestly, if I was going on nothing but um, like excellent movies, Green Lantern probably would be the number one. But Just League followed everything so closely from its source material that I think that's why it becomes my favorite. Alright, so let's go over some of the upcoming projects. Obviously, we've got Superman Batman Public Enemies coming out in a couple weeks, but what else is there? Well, we know that at San Diego Comic-Con, they announced that DC Showcase is going to be a series of short films. The only one that has been announced as of right now is Jonah Hex, and I think the only reason why that's happening is so that instead of making a full movie about Jonah Hex, since we've got the live-action movie coming out next year... I think their plan is let's put out a movie so that people who don't know who Jonah Hex is get an idea of who Jonah Hex is so they go see the movie next year. Exactly. Um, but is this going to be the same trap that Batman Gotham Knight fell into in the fact, you know, you've got five or six short stories and not enough time to really do an interesting story? That's the problem. I think if they do explore a few characters like Jonah Hex. We've heard there's some sort of Nightwing project in the wings waiting. Perhaps it's going to be in this DC showcase. I think if they could uh, visit, maybe just do three stories, visit a character, spend like 20 minutes with each character in each story, that would be, um, I think that'd be a good way to go. I am very interested in this because I think, as we've always explained before, there's so many DC characters to explore who are really interesting. I hope they do pick the right ones and I hope they do like two or three stories rather than six or something. I think that would be the best way to go for it. Yeah. Um, with short film, it's hard. I mean, you never know how it's going to turn out. So I'm kind of just going to wait and see how it turns out. But I'm excited to see them um, wanting to do more with some lesser-known characters. That's always cool. It's very, very difficult to make an interesting story out of a short film that's compelling and and with you know so it's it's a challenge but if anyone can do it these guys can true yeah. I mean the thing is Jonah Hex obviously I mean, let's think of some other characters that we think wouldn't get their li- wouldn't get a live action movie or a, wouldn't get a full length full length movie but could possibly get a short film in this series Jonah Hex obviously I'm thinking some of the other ones that I could possibly think of would be um, some of the lesser, not some of the lesser known um, heroes. Um, Captain Marvel, see, perhaps. I, yeah, I could see Captain Marvel. I could see maybe Aquaman because there's not a ton to Aquaman. Um, yeah, it's true. Martian Manhunter, same thing. Just to give like an introduction of who they are, but at the same time, like you said, it's it's going to be extremely difficult for them to make them so that people are actually interested in what it is and get brought into it. Because the other thing, Jonah Hex doesn't really follow suit of every other DC superhero, so that's the thing. Um, the fact that yeah. depending on which incarnation of him you look at, if he's just the guy from the you know from the Old West, 
it's going to be a little bit interesting to see how he's actually going to play into anything else. I think that's part of the reason why the live-action movie is getting made, is specifically because it's it doesn't necessarily follow suit with all the other superheroes. Yeah. Uh, also, we don't want, like, three or four origin stories of Jonah Hex, Captain Marvel, Aquaman. You need to get going with some of these. You know, we don't want a long origin story for a load of characters. We want just um, a good story with a character we're familiar with or, or not familiar with, but we can just jump straight into. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if they just do origin story after origin story, we're going to get really sick of it, and they need to steer clear of doing that every single time. There's plenty right. of yeah. interesting stories to be told. Right, and I think uh, the thing is, with a lot of these characters, if they're getting a short film instead of a, a normal full-length film, I think part of the thing is their origin stories really aren't that compelling to begin with. So it might just be better to just introduce us to the character and show us what they're all about. I know there's a lot of characters, specifically like the B-list uh, heroes, that they're not—they don't have like really awesome origin stories, and that's partially why a lot of people don't know them. It's because they're not that memorable. Yeah. All right. So then the other one we've been, that has been announced unofficially is Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. Now, I'm kind of interested in this. The only information that anybody knows about it at all is that Dwayne McDuffie is actually writing the project, but it's going to be the, the film that comes out after Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. So we can probably expect to see, during the Superman, Batman, Public Enemies um, special features, expect to see something about Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, if anything, probably just the first look. But I'm kind of looking forward to that because... It'll be interesting to see how they incorporate all the craziness, continuity nonsense from the crisis of uh, the crisis stuff into a film. Uh, here we go again, another Justice League film. Do we really need it? I've. It's just. Um, it's just not. I'm. I'm not ruling out that it's going to be bad. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to give it a completely fair chance. But as I've said before, this does not appeal to me very much. I was wondering when they would do a crisis movie because it's kind of, it's a big event in the universe. So I figured they would do it at some point. And I think they could do it really well or they could completely bomb it. So hopefully they do the, they do it really well. It's going to be kind of difficult, like Dustin said, to do all the crazy continuity stuff, especially if they... I don't know. They'll almost have to market it exclusively toward people who already know what these, what's going on, because it's going to be such a confusing thing. But it could be good. We'll just wait for it. Okay, and then the only other project that has been announced, but who knows if it'll ever actually happen, is Teen Titans: The Judas Contract. It was something that was announced, like, years back, and everyone thought it was going to be Teen Titans, like the cartoon um, kind of feel. But I think that was the original thought, and then they realized that's when they started thinking about doing these DC Universe films. And when that happened, they were like, wait, this is a lot better story. We can market it actually towards adults. We don't have to use the Teen Titans. And I think it got put on hold initially because the cartoon was still successful. 
then they put it on hold because they felt there was bigger projects that they needed to get done before they introduced the Teen Titans. But this story is an excellent story. For those of you who haven't read The Judas Contract, find it and at least read it. I'm not necessarily saying go out and buy it, but find it and read it because it's a really good storyline. Yeah, I think this one's got potential. I think um, it will be interesting how they try and make the Teen Titans appeal to an adult audience, um, you know, a ma- you know, a major adult audience. But um, I think this one's got potential. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it, and I just hope it takes off and gets, you know, a green light and they start pushing ahead with it. Yeah. I've, <clears throat> I've been waiting on this one since they first started circulating rumors about it. I mean... It's going to be awesome. That is an incredible story, and I'm really a big fan of the Teen Titans. Um, it's. I thought it was weird that people thought that they were going to do it in that style of the animated series, because that they sort of already did that on the animated series. I mean, it wasn't exactly Judas Contract, but it was that the basic story so it was odd that people thought they were going to redo it, but I'm excited that they're going to, that hopefully they're going to redo it in a more in-depth, closer to the comics version, and I really wonder how they're going to do it, and I hope that it's, I hope that they're actually going to do it at some point in the future, in the near future, would be preferable. Okay, and then let's just go over a couple of the other things that have been discussed, but obviously haven't happened yet. They There was talk about Batman The Long Halloween for a while. There was talk about two different Batman projects being made. We haven't heard anything about either one of those unless Superman Batman was considered one of them. Um, obviously, Comic-Con, like Nick mentioned earlier, uh, Bruce Tim mentioned something about Nightwing. Didn't go into details about whether or not it was going to be a Nightwing-focused movie, or if Nightwing was going to be in the movie, but they said that they had something planned for that. At San Diego Comic-Con in 2008, he specific, uh, Bruce Timm specifically said he'd be interested in doing a solo Catwoman film. Um, he also said he'd like to return to the style, his style of that he did with Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series. Um, some of the other things that have been thrown out there is... Flash, Justice League Worlds Collide, um, Aquaman, Dan DiDio said that he wants to see the Sinestro Core Wars uh, storyline adapted. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things. They also, had, I should take that back, at uh, 2009 in San Diego, Bruce, somebody on the panel also mentioned something about Blackest Night. But, I mean, any of those would be interesting to see. It's just, I understand their hesitation to, you know, pumping out two, three of these a year because you can focus a lot more attention on one film a year than you could on three but it seems to me that they've been, in 2007 we only had one, 2008 we had two 2009 now we have three and honestly in my opinion of Green Lantern and Superman Batman, they're they're very close together and it's kind of taking the focus off of what really is there um, I'd like to have them stick it at two but by all means, I'm not opposed to them putting out more than two or three a year. Well, it's just interesting if they do do some of these more 
um, comic-based stories like the Sinestro Core War or go for a character like Aquaman or the Flash, which they're big characters, but they're not Superman or Batman, it'll be interesting to see how successful they do. And that will depend, that will shape their future on whether they think, well, let's go and do Teen Titans, some other, char- some other characters, something like Jonah Hex or some, you know, some those other characters and visit those, or will they just keep doing Superman and Batman films because they're the ones that sell? So it'll be interesting to see. I hope the other characters can can stand on their own with their own films. It seems that Wonder Woman and Green Lantern have done pretty solidly, so I hope that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I hope that all the rumors are true. Really, that Bruce Timm's getting back into his old style. They do a all those movies that you were talking about I mean a Flash movie would be great Catwoman movie would be particularly exciting um and I don't know about how many they should do a year I really don't think that it made too much of a difference doing three I mean to the general public it probably took a little bit of focus off those but to who they're really marketing it to which is serious comic fans, they're going to see both movies, whether they're spaced out significantly or not. So I am not opposed to them making as many movies per year as possible. (laughs) Going into that, in 2007 when Superman Doomsday came out, it made over $9 million. In 2008, Justice League New Frontier made five, Batman Gotham made eight, okay, with Hmm. two movies a year. 2009, Wonder Woman and Green Lantern are sitting at just under five million apiece. So it's not like the really. It seems like the numbers are going down compared. Yeah, to going maybe up. that. But that is Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. That's not Batman and Superman, and that's what I would I would expect that. So it'll be interesting to see what if Superman and Batman is also down in the under five million. Then something's going wrong. But I expect that Superman Batman to get back up to eight nine ish. Right. Agreed. Alright, so I think that's all the discussion we're going to have about all the DC Animated Universe movies. Um, Overall, I think they're doing a good job. They just need to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, The Long Halloween is the one that really excites me. I really, really wish they make that. We've heard rumors that something's going on there, but nothing ever has been confirmed. That would really excite me, and I think that's one that could make a lot of money and could really cross over into the general public if the animation is correct and as long as you stick to that story I think that could really be successful and I'm, I really hope they go ahead with that one yeah that's definitely one that could get a big name in the wider public too so I'm pulling for them to do something like that that you know general pop culture can get on board with because then they'll make more money and make more movies so yeah it's nice it's it's nice to see that they are actually going for comic stories rather than just inventing their own new stories yep I like the direction they're going and I just am happy with whatever they put out so I hope they keep making more and more agreed Right, 
so that's going to wrap up the podcast for this episode. Uh, as always, you can rem- remember to check out the website, thebatmanuniverse.net, for all the latest Batman news. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow the blog to see all of the opinions of the different staff members, as well as all kinds of weird and crazy stuff that we post, different images, videos, stuff like that. You can join the forums, talk to other Bat fans in the Batman community. You can now also follow us on Twitter. I know that I said I would never do Twitter, but I've succumbed to society, and now we are on Twitter. So he gave in. Yeah. Twitter.com slash Batman Universe. You can find us on there. Also, um, leave us some reviews on iTunes. It's been a couple weeks since we've had a review on iTunes. For all of you who have left reviews, we appreciate it. Make sure you're reviewing the specials. I know a lot of people listen to the specials during the summer when we did all the movie commentary, but we have no reviews since before that. So it'd be nice if you guys could get out there, put some reviews on there so we get bumped up in the top numbers of the Batman podcast on iTunes. So I think that's everything. This is Dustin. This is Nick. This is Savannah. You've been listening to the Batman Universe podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Au revoir. So I think that's everything. This is Dustin. This is Nick. Let's try that again. This is Nick. We'll just try that again. Yeah, let's try it again. Let's go Nick Savannah. Okay. This is Savannah. This is Nick. Oh my god. (laughs) Nick, then Savannah. This is Nick. This is Savannah.